Welcome to the Psychedelic Suitcase. I'm Dave with me. Have you ever just wanted to pack in the life you currently have and move somewhere and start over again with different experiences and different values? Our guest today is Michelle Miller. She's the author of Heart First, A Female's Psychedelic Call to Adventure. The book chronicles Michelle's journey in the 1990s. Let me read you the description that's on Amazon. From a young age, Michelle is determined to rise above the limitations of collective belief systems such as getting a real job or relying on money. She foregoes a college education and instead creates her own eclectic lifestyle that involves travel, psychedelics, being voluntarily homeless, and hitchhiking her way to what she is certain will be a brighter future for herself. Set in the counterculture of the 1990s, Michelle gained spiritual insights throughout her haphazard adventures while backpacking through Alaska, Thailand, Mexico, and Central America. Despite several setbacks, she continues to press forward with utmost optimism as she struggles to gain her traditional parents' approval and to integrate her free-spirited idealisms into something meaningful on the material plane. We caught up with Michelle in Panama, where she seems to be thriving, For anyone who's desired to walk a bit of a different path, this is a good interview to listen to. Let's talk to Michelle and see how she was able to do it. My journey was a radical, spiritual, psychedelic journey of sorts. Um, And it really just started with an inquiry. Like, I just couldn't believe that all there was to the world was earning money and acquiring material possessions. No kidding. Yeah. And no one really had the answers for me. Um, It wasn't until I started experimenting with psychedelics when I was about 15 in the early 90s that I started coming to my own conclusions. (laughs) One of my first trips on LSD, um, I was at the beach with some girlfriends and we went from looking at all the little grains of sand and just being mind blown that one tiny grain is what makes up the whole beach and the entire ocean floor to looking at the water and seeing one little droplet of water, how it together they make the entire ocean. And I realized that my person, my body was made up of all these tiny little specks of energy, these little atoms. And that I was just one tiny being in the universe. And then I kind of saw that all these little atoms of energy exist in the matrix or, you know, out in the universe. And with our thoughts and our actions, we direct where we want to go and how we create our reality. And that was at 16. So it was pretty hard for me to buckle down and and get to Spanish class and go to algebra. (laughs) No kidding. Like many of us, Michelle did try and go down the expected path. Well, I did try to go to college. My parents are very traditional and good-hearted Midwesterners. So tried to get with the program, but after one semester, I ended up um, dropping out. 
And I stayed there in Northern California where I was going to school and got a job and found an apartment. Um, but then once the school year was ending and my lease was up, I was kind of like, all right, you know, what, what should I do? What's next? I knew I wanted to travel. I knew I wanted to explore more of the world. Um, but for me, and this is where I've had this inner conflict is I just wasn't sure what there was. It, to me, it was either you're all out spiritual and you quit your job and you go on the road. So Grateful Dead tour was one of my top options. Yeah. <laughs> or you like buckle down and you just get a cubicle job. You know, there was no in between. And so a girlfriend of mine had gone to Alaska and worked in the fish factories the summer before. And it seemed like a great adventure. You know, she came back with some stories and she bought a used truck with the money she made. And I was like, all right, let's do that. So um, a group of girls from California, and I was a vegetarian, went up to Alaska and worked in the fish factories for the <laughs> summer. It was an experience for yeah. sure. And, you know, I've shared the book with my sister and my mom, and, and they say that's their favorite chapter because it's just so different. Uh, first, when I went to Alaska, I went with no plans whatsoever and was just kind of putting my faith in the universe to the test and like seeing how this all works, right? I wasn't sure what I was looking for um, as far as an alternative lifestyle, but I was open and I actually didn't want to make any plans. I wanted to see what was going to be presented. And so I lived a lot of my younger years like that. In fact, I was even traveling with no money whatsoever at one point because I just wanted to prove that I could do it. Um, and that the universe would provide for me. With your family being so traditional, how did they accept your plans? I honestly think until I had produced something that looked successful, it was hard for them to <laughs> really accept. Um, so it wasn't until I eventually landed in Panama and ended up with a restaurant and a in a small hotel and a wellness center and that kind of stuff that yeah. they were able to appreciate it more. It's just, that's in their realm, you know? Um, and even with the book, I know at first they were like, Ooh, can't you write about something else? Right. <laughs> like, why psychedelics? It can be a scary proposition jumping in with both feet. And yeah. for me, it was like stripping down the ego. And we talk about ego dissolution with psychedelics and in spirituality. And it was even just down to a really raw soul level where I wasn't depending on any material objects or anything, just right. being presented, like accepting whatever was being presented to me. So Michelle decided to put these experiences into a book. It starts off with me really renouncing society. Um, the second summer I was in Alaska, I was on my most heroic dose of liquid LSD. I took like six hits of liquid LSD by myself in the forest. And I ended up throwing my wallet <laughs> 
into the forest because I knew that what really mattered was the planet and the earth and mother nature. And so the book starts out of me renouncing and like refusing to abide by these systems that are harming the planet and um, refusing to rely on money, which I mean, essentially it all comes down to greed of why we're destroying the planet. And so then it goes back and moves forward from there. And what did Michelle herself learn from writing this book? I've gone through so many cycles of learning, actually. Um, You know, one of the hardest things about writing the book was that it's written almost as if it's fiction because it's memoir and it takes people on my journey of, you know, starting out really questioning the world or the universe and then renouncing the system and trying to find my own way. So in that, I'm hitchhiking and being voluntarily homeless and, you know, putting my faith uh, in the universe to the test. And it was hard for me to go into the conflict of that, I guess, right, right as if it's fiction and have this arc and this conflict and this resolution. Because for me, it was like, Kind of the point is that, no, I I am following my heart and doing what I like and following what I love. And it was hard for me to find that conflict. I mean, there was inner conflict. There was some conflict with my parents and the world at large. But interestingly enough, when I was talking to editors and people in um, the literary world, they were telling me like, oh, that's not enough. Mm. Like, are you putting yourself in threatening, like life-threatening situations? And even that wasn't enough. It was very hard for me to wrap my head around like, but I'm hitchhiking and being voluntarily homeless. How is that not conflict enough or danger enough? So that was one thing that I found that was difficult, but then also like taking the reader through my growth and my change and that. And so sharing more of myself, I really did have to search the depths. If Michelle had advice for other people looking to start a new life or just looking to try something different, what words of advice would she give? I wouldn't recommend trial by fire, really. And it is different times too, right? But for sure, I encourage people to step out of their comfort zone. Yeah. I mean, we only grow when we step out and face the unknown or or step into the unknown and trust. I really encourage people to trust. I think we often tend to think that the world is a scarier place than it actually is. Sure, there are some troubled spots, but for the most part, in most people's travels, it's just not the case. The world is generally pretty safe. That would be another tip. Turn off mainstream media and listen to your heart. Staying positive in this day and age can be a little tricky. But as Michelle explains, it's something you can work at. Yeah, I'm really thankful that positivity is my default. And I know that it doesn't come easy for everyone, especially now that we're in a um, 
really a mental health crisis. Um, and so, I mean, for me, it would be just too easy to say like, yes, it's possible. And I understand that toxic positivity is telling people just think positive, you know, um, I understand that. (laughs) And I am just so thankful that, that it comes easy to me. Um, I know there's a lot of different gratitude practices out there, um, that are helpful, Again, it's kind of following your heart. Like if you, if you like music and you want to get up and dance or put good music on first thing, and it's, it's knowing yourself well enough, I think, to know what's going to lift you up and what's going to take you down and having to take those steps. Like we know alcohol is a depressant. If you're depressed, take the step try your best. Don't drink, you know, um, you know, that going to the beach makes you feel good or going on a run or whatever it is, then do more of that. Do more of what makes you feel good. I mean, and it just seems like I know in the past, like I've kicked habits. I was a cigarette smoker. I was a chronic weed smoker. I hardly smoke anymore. And it's getting over that 50%, that hump sometimes where it becomes the norm. And so if you're refilling your day with um, running or healthier activities instead of the smoking, instead of the negative thoughts, instead of the drinking or things that you know bring you down, then hopefully you can get up over that 50% hump and have it start to be your norm. Finding like-minded individuals can always help. They can often provide guidance for you. But as Michelle explains, even in that world, you shouldn't follow blindly. Well, we all have an ego for sure, you know, and I've spent time in, you know, air quote, woke communities or like spiritual or intentional communities. And it gets pretty clicky and pretty dogmatic or judgmental there too, where I felt like an outsider because I'm only there for a short stint of time or I'm I'm not a lifer, you know, as invested. And so, I mean, we've all got our things. I noticed um, when I have spiritual conversations with people who are maybe a little more rebellious or something like that. It feels a lot different to me than people who are like very wholehearted or open-hearted. So we all have our thing. And sometimes you just have to create your own path. That's something I do talk about in the book just by, and everything I talk about is just sharing through my personal experiences of, like I said, uh, spending time at, on spiritual communities or communes and yeah, just having it feel way too dogmatic for me. One of the main focuses of the book is to help others shift their consciousness and hopefully shift the collective consciousness. Yeah. I mean, we've all agreed to believe in these systems that we have as far as money goes and, and work and, how we own homes and, you know, need to be spending our time. And so I feel like if more people would listen to their heart and, and follow 
what's calling to them, then collectively we could create a better world and new systems that, you know, actually where everyone benefits. It's definitely something I talk about in the book, education, because yeah, along my journey, I just realized that I'm an experiential learner, experiential learner. (laughs) And that really just set fireworks off in my head when I learned that I was kinesthetic. And that explained so much of why I couldn't just sit there in a desk and listen all day. I wanted to be out doing and experiencing for myself in order to learn. One of the reasons Michelle wanted to write this book was she found that there was a lack of a female perspective when it came to the psychedelic discussion. Yeah, I mean, I look at it as kind of both good and bad, right? It's pretty wide open for women. And I see more women coming up in the spiritual community, but even the podcasts and that are majority male. Now there's a few female ones coming up and like um, psychedelic entrepreneurs and stuff like that, which is great to see. Yeah, for sure. yeah, for sure. Yeah, but as far as like psychedelic philosophy and that, there wasn't anyone. For someone who hasn't read the book yet, how would Michelle describe it? Well, I have been describing it as Eat, Pray, Love on LSD with more risk-taking spirituality and high adventure. Um, it's also about rising above social expectations and living in everyday magic. So just finding your own way outside of social expectations and yeah, finding a life of happiness and magic. Integrating any psychedelic experience can be a challenge. Yeah, I really struggled with integration. In fact, I had no idea what that was in the 1990s. And I really didn't know what was happening to me. I felt like I was able to create my own reality. And I wasn't sure how. I wasn't sure if it was like, ask and you shall receive. I wasn't sure if I was co-creating. And it actually began to get a little scary for me. Because I also felt really alone and I didn't know what I was tapping into. I was like, well, am I tapping into like white magic or dark magic or, yeah. And it took a long time to actually just surrender to that. One of the major benefits of working on integration is finding a balance. So... Yeah, the more magical coincidences and the more I was able to kind of channel this energy and the more that it seemed almost surreal, my life, I found I really had to just back off a little, really, because it was taking me too far and it was becoming too hard for me to exist in the material world. And of course, you don't need psychedelics to live a psychedelic life. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like I'm living pretty psychedelically here every day, just kind of following my heart. And I mean, I'm very fortunate in that I can start my day however I want, usually. And I start it with yoga or walk on the beach. Um, A lot of the art I create is with things I find on the beach. 
So that's like a whole psychedelic journey in itself, going on a treasure walk and just seeing what I find. One of the things that people often wonder is if you are trying to live a life on the road less traveled, how do you support yourself? In Michelle's case, she believed that the universe would provide. Uh, First, when I went to Alaska, I went with no plans whatsoever and was just kind of putting my faith in the universe to the test and like seeing how this all works, right? I wasn't sure what I was looking for um, as far as an alternative lifestyle, but I was open and I actually didn't want to make any plans. I wanted to see what was going to be presented. And so... I lived a lot of my younger years like that. In fact, I was even traveling with no money whatsoever at one point because I just wanted to prove that I could do it um, and that the universe would provide for me. My first international trip was when I was 20 years old, and that was through Mexico, Guatemala, and Honduras, and went with just a little bit of money a boyfriend, um, some jewelry to sell or make and sell, and our instruments. And so we were performing music on the street and selling jewelry until our money ran out. (laughs) Yeah, that's what tends to happen, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then Thailand, I just spent a month there on my own. And it has a kind of a brief mention in the book. Who was the book written for? Yeah, I mean, they say choose an avatar when you're writing, you know. And so if I had to choose, and I had to choose, but um, my avatar was like people who have maybe dabbled in psychedelics and or thought about doing something else, like living an alternative lifestyle, but they just haven't taken that step of really following their heart. Before we ended our chat, I was curious about her living in Panama. With her psychedelic experience in Panama, was there much of a scene? No. In fact, I was the first one to be practicing yoga here in the little surf town where we are and have a yoga studio. And from that, it's brought more people. So now we have a nice little wellness community. I would say it's more of a wellness community, not psychedelics, but with yoga and surf retreats and stuff like that. But that might be next. And on that note, we said goodbye. We've only scratched the surface as to what Michelle talks about in her book. Once again, called Heart First, A Female Psychedelic Call to Adventure. If you want to find out more, you can find it through Amazon. I'll put a link in the show notes. I'll also put a link to Michelle's website. Thanks once again for listening. The Psychedelic Suitcase is produced by Carolyn Myers and myself, your host, Dave McNee. Join us next time when we unpack more of the Psychedelic Suitcase.